0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's June 10th, 1829, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by
1: Aria, Rebecca, and Ollie, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that the very first Oxford-Cambridge boat race took place. And it's one of those kind of unremarkable origin stories. It's just like this Cambridge student named Charles Merivale challenged his Oxford mate, another Charles Wordsworth, who is also the nephew of the poet William Wordsworth, by the way, to a race. And the challenge was to have a rowing competition of like eight oared boats somewhere at or near London. That's kind of the story. What
0: is unremarkable about that? That's incredible. (laughs) For a start, you've got the nephew of William Wordsworth. That's cool you have what is basically a punt between two blokes in their 20s that becomes a massive international sporting event what's wrong with you that's the definition of remarkable like rugby was like oh we inflated a pig's bladder one day and threw it
2: it's amazing how all these wealthy oxbridge students could just make things happen i know but it's sort of it feels
1: like one of those a, an event that deserves at least a mythology rather than just two blokes went down to a river and put their boats in and started rowing which it isn't quite but it almost is Anyway, well, it's posh
0: and it's, it's, kind posh. Of eccentric, and it's very- English and I would
1: say those are still the brand values of the Oxford Cambridge
0: boat race today.
1: But that's what it became. At the time it really was just these two mates going to fancy a a race down at the river and for what it's worth the very first one was won by Oxford and then they didn't do it for another seven years. You know it really could have just been this standalone event and now we know it to be this massive thing with the poshos who you know dress in colours and go down and get smashed all day Um, and non-pochos by the way. I can Um, hear Rebecca just waiting (laughs) to speak up for the (laughs) non-pochos.
2: <laughs> no, you realise, Rebecca, you will
1: read to all
0: our international audience as posho anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've made my peace with it.
0: 20,000 people did turn up to watch it. But if you look at the time that it started, 7.55pm, yeah. that kind of tells you, doesn't it? This was a piss-up after work, wasn't it? Yeah. This yeah. Was like, it was in Henley, it wasn't even in London. Right. And it was like, come, come along for the evening, it was a Wednesday. Come yeah. along on Wednesday evening in a summer's evening and watch these two toffs from two different universities race each other. And then no one did it again for years. It was not supposed to be the beginning of this elite sport.
1: No, and I mean twenty thousand people is a pretty good turnout.
2: They didn't have TV. Yeah,
1: there was nothing else to do. Anyway, so then the very next competition was seven years later, and at that point, Cambridge evened the odds. They won the second race. I hope you're not going to go through who's won what for a while. <laughs> I am going years. to list it. <laughs> Strap in, everybody. 1906. There was a nail-biting finish. <laughs> no, I'm going to do a brief overview, which is okay. that Oxford was in the ascendancy for the first few decades, and then Cambridge. Has come roaring back and now it's Cambridge who are ahead by a nose or whatever you say in rowing. (laughs) Yeah, it seems to always be Cambridge. I should say, so both Rebecca and I
0: separately attended Oxford University. So we're on Team Oxford. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Arian didn't go anywhere near an establishment of that quality. Nope. But it is frustrating, isn't it, Rebecca, when you're watching that it's always it's just always Cambridge. It's like, it's the same. I mean, I'm mean, i glad I don't particularly support England uh, football because it's the same feeling, isn't it? Like, it's sometimes very nearly Oxford, but it's basically never Oxford. It's
2: bizarre, really, isn't it? Because if you think about it, both teams are coming from almost exactly the same backgrounds. You know, they, they go through a very similar, like, training regimen. They have coaches a lot of the time. I don't know how deep you you guys want to go into the weeds of this.
0: You never go into the weeds when you're rowing. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> error 101.
2: A lot of the time the rowers are basically professional level rowers who are at Oxford or Cambridge doing a postgraduate degree. I'm not going to wade in and say... You
0: don't wade in either. That's there's, there's rule 102. I can't
2: stop myself. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just keep going on these unintentional I mean, I'm really to stick metaphors. my oar and say... I can't believe I'd miss that one. <laughs> You know, I'm not going to say they're Mickey Mouse degrees because Oxford and Cambridge are very clear that all applicants have to meet the same rigorous standard.
0: Mm. The same rigorous standard of being a previous Olympian winner. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: I think there are a decent number of people out there who are professional level rowers and are also very intelligent. And the two universities do a really good job of finding them and obtaining (laughs) them and putting them in their boats. I mean, that is the funny
1: thing that, that the UK doesn't have the same kind of uh, sporting scholarship system that the US has, where you really can get into US universities by virtue of being an excellent basketballer or American footballer or whatever, whereas I, I, the the UK has to at least have this pretense that its excellent rowers who could perform at the Olympics also happen to be magnificent scholars. In 2019 they really blew the lid off this
0: when they let uh, James Cracknell, former Olympian, into Cambridge to study human evolutionary studies at the age of 46. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I think it's unlikely he would have applied to do that at that stage in his life had he not been rowing.
2: Yeah. And obviously the race today looks very different to the way it looked in 1829 because you've got people who are of a professional standard taking part and I think the most obvious way to see that is in the race times. The fastest ever winning race time is 16 minutes and 19 seconds. That was set by Cambridge in 1998 and the slowest time was nearly 10 minutes longer and crucially many decades before in 1860 where it took Cambridge 26 minutes and five seconds to win on the same course. Yeah
0: but they're (laughs) totally different boats aren't they now? Like the boats now are made out of what is it carbon fibres or whatever which you know they obviously didn't have then they were wood.
1: Yeah and you incorporate all of the training regimes and sports science and you know yeah it's not fair to compare things historically in a way. They have worked out as well that it's the heavier crew that wins the race more than 60%
0: of the time, Mm. which is a conflicted message for an athlete, isn't it?
2: (laughs) What's the science of that?
0: Well, they've literally weighed every... Oh, I see. Oh, I see. (laughs) (coughs) You mean, why? Yeah. I thought I was about to do method. You're like, "Well, they weighed them all." <laughs> well, and- <laughs> do, they weigh them. All. <laughs> they an average. Oh, as to why the dynamics of heavier people in the water go faster, it doesn't make any sense to me either. I'm sure I've experienced it myself at various
1: different water slides, but I can't explain what the dynamics
2: are. Buoyancy? Is it something to do with buoyancy?
1: I, no idea. Yeah, maybe you get lower down in the river or something and have more purchase i don't know I
0: mean, obviously i would be able to answer all these questions if i'd followed through on my ambition back in 1999 when i did try out in freshers Ooh. week at oxford rowing once yeah and
2: <laughs> what did they say
0: <laughs> <laughs> he said you are exactly what we're looking for a 14 stone jew no what they said was do come again like they were very open to oh, letting wow. everyone try it and like so the, the thing is it's a fantasy really In the same way that it's kind of a fantasy that anyone can can become president of the United States, (laughs) it's a fantasy that anyone can actually be on the proper Oxford or Cambridge rowing team, but it is theoretically possible and evidenced that occasionally someone who didn't go to the best public school and have training since the age of 12 or previously compete in the Olympics is allowed to progress through the ranks because they have extraordinary talent. So I think they make a big thing and big song and dance about the fact that theoretically anyone can try, anyone can can, can rise through the ranks. And so they it was a, it was an opportunity to go <coughs> at 5.30 in the morning down to the banks of the river, get in the boat, try it out. And actually, I really enjoyed like the fresh mm. air and seeing the ducks on the water. And, and then I was like... I'm an undergraduate. It is hard for me to get out of bed at 11.30 for a lecture. I am not going to be getting up at 5.30 in the morning every day during
1: my degree. And that was my main reason for not returning, really. To what extent did it feel like the thing that the richer, more wealthy, more privileged side of Oxford were, were into rather than the everyday plebs? Of, like, was, was there subdivision within Oxford into who was into it?
2: I don't think so. When I was there, definitely not. But I think that's because like every college has its own boat, so obviously the standard is far more you know friendly to the average person. Yeah, it's perfectly possible for someone to start having never been on, out on the water before and become like college level. What we're talking
0: yeah. about is the difference between prejudice and privilege, though, isn't it? Like, it's not that it's endemically prejudice against people from any background they want people of every background to come into the boats because it looks better on the tv if they have a more mm. diverse representation of people mm. it's just the fact that people who have been to public schools that are on the rivers yeah. <laughs> get brought <laughs> up in it you know right. it's like why are so many jockeys irish because they've got a lot of horses there and that's their culture you know
2: I've just had a sartorial note for the first race, which was in the first race, Oxford wore dark blue jerseys, that Mm. being the ox colour, and they still do wear dark blue. And Cambridge supposedly donned pink sashes, although on the Cambridge website, they say that this is disputed, but they don't put forward an alternative for what they were wearing.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I've heard that they had a pink boat as well. uh, And that's according to the historian Dan Snow who, you know, would be a reasonable source anyway, but also was himself a rower for Oxford. So, I mean, if he says they had a pink boat, I reckon they had a pink boat.
2: Well, it makes much more sense to have blue versus pink than blue yeah. versus another, and blue. another blue. Blue versus
0: light blue. I know, it must be <laughs> terrible. like, if you're colorblind it must be the worst sport to watch in the world. <laughs> I think well, my one... Know,
1: that's obviously snooker, but still yeah. second worst. <laughs> but my one quibble on that would be, the sashes. Surely a sash is the least appropriate thing to wear when you're pulling on an oar. <laughs> you know, It's <laughs> going to get tangled up. Someone's going to end up in the river. It's not good. Speaking of famous rowers, Hugh Laurie rode for Cambridge in 1980. Right. He
0: was following in the footsteps of his father, who'd been an Olympian rower. But what I find remarkable about that is that he then went on having lost the boat race for Cambridge in 1980 to win the Edinburgh Comedy Award in 1981 with the Cambridge Footlights. I mean, that is like ridiculous overachievement, isn't it? That's too much, Laurie. Even into the final two of both those things on consecutive
1: years.
2: But see, I don't think that that could happen now. If you look into like the lifestyle that the rowers lead, like there's definitely no time to have a second extracurricular.
1: It's rowing or being funny. (laughs) Tomorrow.
2: And so he did get a second trial, but there was also a lot of evidence against him. So he was just found guilty in a less racist way.
0: Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?